0: You are listening to John Diard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news and Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. John Diard, and welcome to the Life Spa podcast. Today, I want to talk about the five most important reasons why we are more immune compromised than ever before. And the first one is our digestive system, which is linked to gut immunity, which is 70% of your immune response. So we gotta dig into that, how to fix that, how to bring that back into balance. Number two, your circadian rhythms. Your biological clocks need to be in sync with nature's circadian rhythms. If you're not, then we have direct immune compromise as a result of that, and that is actually now Nobel Prize winning science, and we're gonna dig into that. We also have 70 million, 2019, the EPA reported that 70 million tons of toxic chemicals were dumped in the atmosphere in America, which filters down on the food you eat Everything you drink, that it gets ingested, and they're endocrine disruptors and they're immune compromisers, and we're gonna dig into that as well. Now we also know that stress is a factor. Stress can is a powerful immune compromiser, and we're gonna unwrap that and dig into how we can mitigate that stress in a more powerful, very effective, you know, scientifically documented way. And also our ability to breathe. We don't breathe as human beings today the way we were designed. You know, in one study, I'll just tell you real quick. With elite athletes, half of them, professional athletes did not have the ability to breathe through their diaphragm in the way they should, fully contracting and relaxing their diaphragm. So we're, most of us are walking around breathe, you know, breathing compromised, and that's directly linked to our immune health and immune function, and we're going to dig into that. Okay, so lots to talk about today. Um, first of all, <clears throat> most importantly, your digestion. You know, we have been, and I've talked about this a lot in my, in, in my newsletter videos and articles, we have been taking food out of our diet for quite a long time, thinking that's going to solve our problems. You know, people can't digest wheat, so you take it out. People can't digest dairy, so you take it out. We just take everything out of the diet and we think we've solved the problem. But short order, the next thing comes up, we can't, we can't eat. You know, beans, and grains, and rice, and lectins, and tomatoes, and nightshades, and goitrogens and oxalates, and you name it, we take it out because those things are harder to digest. <clears throat> well, here's the problem. Your gut immunity is 70% of your immune response. And the reason we have gut immunity is because of something called hormesis. Hormesis is that concept that what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, which means that If that we have, and one study at the um, uh, Oxford University Journal published said that the reason that we have an immune system is because of bacterial, viral, and food stressors. Those stressors make our body have to respond to that stress, right? And that's a hermetic effect. So if we take out all the stressors, like the foods, right, then we lose our immune response. And the science, as I'll dig into in a minute, shows that that's exactly what's happening to us, that we're losing our immune response because we're just taking the food out of a diet and not really fixing the underlying problem. Now, I get it. If you don't eat wheat and don't feel good eating wheat or this or that food, why in the world would you eat it? You shouldn't. I get it. But a lot of folks are not eating certain foods because they're just being told not to, not because it actually, they, they feel bad eating it. And, even if you do feel bad eating, it would be good for us to figure out why, what underlying issue you have digestively and then fix that problem before we just take the food out of the diet, particularly a food that we've been eating for millions of years, like for wheat. I know I wrote a book called Eat Wheat, but the point being is this is not just about wheat. It's about so many foods. You know, the Mediterranean diet is loaded with hormitants, which means foods that are aggravators and hard to digest that create a hormetic effect on your intestinal tract linked to gut immunity. Grains, wheat, you know, uh, nuts, seeds, uh, grapes, olives, these are all harder to digest foods that actually are challenging nightshades, oxalates, all these things that, that irritate the intestinal tract. And when they irritate the intestinal tract, the response for our body is to create an immune system. So we know that our immune system comes from food stressors. Of course, bacteria and viral stressors are always there. We're always fighting that battle too. But food stressors in an evolutionary sense are why we have gut immunity. So don't you think it makes sense to not just take everything out of our diet? And a lot of us are being manipulated because the gluten-free industry is a billion-dollar industry. We're being told not to eat foods that we've been eating for millions of years. Yes, there were found gluten in the teeth of ancient humans three and a half million years ago from barley and wheat because Africa was covered with barley and wheat you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. So they could sit there and grab wheat berries and in, in big, tall grasses, grab enough berries in, a, in an hour or two to feed them for the entire day. It was a pretty good deal versus trying to go kill, you know, an antelope that was bigger and faster and everything, right? So we did that. And we have an enzyme uh, um, called amylase that we make our own now. After our, about two million years ago, we started making our own Which is specifically for starch. So before we start taking all the starch out of our diet, we should think twice. Now I get it, the reason why we're doing that is because we ate starch, 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 bread, 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 bread for the last couple of decades for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in a highly processed, preserved, refined form, which is bad. And and there's a lot of reasons why, and I'll talk about that too. So we end up, more importantly though, because we had starch, starch, starch all day long, every day, we ended up with a stable of bugs that did nothing but digest starch really well. So we got really good at delivering starch or sugar into our bloodstream, and that caused an epidemic that we have today of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, right? So we have that issue because we created a stable of bugs. Now, nature never, ever wanted that to happen. That's why starch is only harvested in the fall one time a year. And you, you have a lot of bugs in your gut to digest starch, like Firmicutes, to help you digest starch in a really efficient manner. But in the spring, it's a completely different stable of bugs that should be in your gut. bacteria Bacteriodetes and others that are, sport, that are really good at digesting fat and fiber, right? So they're completely different in spring and fall. So we never overwhelm the energy delivery system with just one type of food, with one type of bug that can overwhelm the body's ability to handle sugar in a, in a manageable way which is what we have today. So the pendulum is going to swing to being starch is bad. I get it. Everybody's going to say that, and that's what everybody thinks now. So we have ketogenic diets. The pendulum swung a little bit too far. 80% fat is kind of a a little bit of an extreme response to too much starch. When nature wanted to do that pendulum to swing in a seasonal way, as opposed to for your entire life. And the Inuits, the only people who actually have a naturally occurring ketogenic diet, right? They have a gene that doesn't let them stay in ketogenesis for any length of time. So they acquired or expressed a gene to make sure that they, that they uh, don't stay in ketogenesis because there was risks of that for the long haul. And that research is still coming out, and there's a lot of pros and cons in that. And I written an article about something called um, Diet Wars on my website at livespot.com. If you want to read the, the Ayurvedic slash keto slash vegan slash all the crazy ideas of what we should eat. But that's really not even as important as when we start dancing around certain foods because we don't digest them well. And when you take them out of the diet, you end up with severe immune compromise. Um, For example, uh, lectins are like the big bad food now, which are on wheat and nuts and seeds and beans and legumes and things. They're natural protectors. Well, studies done, uh, uh, one study published in the uh, Food and Chemistry and Toxicology Journal found that lectins are actually quite good for your immune system. In fact, incredibly good for our immune response. They're part of that hormetic effect. You irritate it a little bit and you end up with a really great immune system. For example, they found that that um, and some of these um, the, these foods like wheat is a, is a hormetin, which is an irritant. It has lectins on it, grains, beans, nuts, seeds, all these things, they increase a natural immune response. They increase the production of beneficial cytokines so the immune response is not out of whack or over or under zealous. They increase phagocytosis, phagocytosis, which is the gobbling up of toxic microbes that might be in your system. This is what lectins do. Lectins act as a vaccine against bad bacteria. Pretty crazy, right? This is all based on the scientific study. And they also are a natural therapy for microbial Invasions. So we have a lot of science to suggest that these um, harder to digest foods like lectins are actually powerful immune builders, but you're not going to feel great when you eat them. Why? Because you're not breaking them down. So if you have a weak stomach acid or weak stomach fire, we call it Agni in Ayurveda. And lack of good bile flow because your liver has gotten congested because of all the processed foods and the bad, super highly processed cooking oils that they put in everything to preserve these foods, right? You think about it, right? You put oil on, in a loaf of bread and the, the bread never gets hard anymore. It doesn't ever go bad. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Well, that's because the bugs on the counter won't eat that, that oil now, that bread. When you put that bread in your mouth, the bugs inside your gut, which normally eat oil, won't even touch that oil in your bread. So where does all the oil go that the, no bugs will eat? Go right to your liver, congest your liver, gallbladder. And now we have liver gallbladder issues. The number one abdominal surgery in America today, gallbladder removal surgery, right? That's a little bit nutty, but that's what's happening. And your gallbladder emulsifies fat. And that if you're not emulsifying fats, that's the toxic Chemicals, the 70 million tons dumped in our atmosphere every year, they ha- you're going to eat them whether you like it or not, organic or not. They're going to be there. You've got you to break those down. That requires good bile flow. Your bowel movements require good bile flow. Your stomach makes acid. That requires bile to buffer that acid. No bile, you're not going to have good stomach acid. you don't have good stomach acid, the fats and the proteins, the gluten, the lectins, the nuts, the seeds, they're going to go undigested into your intestinal tract and they're gonna find their way into the garbage can, which unfortunately isn't the toilet. It's the collecting ducts of your lymphatic system that line your intestinal tract, and they're gonna make you bloat and gain extra weight around your belly and your hips, and it's gonna make you feel tired and lethargic. It's gonna give you a food coma. It's gonna make you dull or give you brain fog. It can make your joints ache. All the things that we say are linked to, right, all these bad foods that make me feel bad are because you're not breaking them down completely. Now, we're supposed to not break them down completely, you should know, but not to the, at the level that we do today because our digestive system has gotten so broken down. Because if you don't have a good bioflow because of all the bad oils that they told us were going to help us solve heart disease back in the 1960s, turned out that didn't happen. We just have all this highly processed food, which was really great for the food industry because you can put stuff on a shelf and sell it six months later. But it was really bad for us because those oils ended up congesting your liver. The liver is the kingpin of digestive strength. And If you don't have good bile flow, you're not going to have good acid. And if you don't have good bioflow or good acid, you're not going to digest much of anything. So whatever you put in your body that's hard to digest, you're not going to feel great. It's gonna go undigested into your intestines, too big to get into your bloodstream because they're not broken down properly, those molecules. They're gonna find their way into the lymph and then start congesting your lymphatic system and create all these symptoms that I talked about, that I've written about, that are so logical and common sense. Now, some some of those proteins and fats are supposed to go, like gluten, into your large intestine to feed your microbiome. They're naturally supposed to do that. But if you don't break them down, and mass in huge and large quantities, then what's gonna happen is they're gonna um, find their way in an excessive amount into your lymphatic system. And studies show that there's enzymes for gluten in your lymphatic system around your gut called DPP-4 which is an enzyme that breaks down gluten, which is linked, which is, which is inside your lymphatic system around your gut. So the body knows we're going to get some of that in there and digest it, but the lines here should go into the gut or be properly digested in, a, in the stomach. But if you don't have that, you're going to pay the price and you're going to feel bad and you're going to blame gluten, which a lot of people have done, right? So there's the hormetic logic. Now, if you don't believe in the hormetic logic, then let me explain it this way. This is respiratory immunity. They did a study with uh, with um, the uh, heterites, which are a group of kind of Swiss-Austrian uh, metamite farmers who became uh, modern farmers and used sterile equipment and machines. And then the, um, the Amish stayed in their more traditional way and never went into the whole sterile machinery way. They did it the more the traditional way. Well, In all the people on the planet, all the kids on the planet, the group that has the lowest rate of asthma for kids on the planet is the Amish kids. And one of the highest rates were the heterite kids. Now their genetics are the same. They come from the same area in Switzerland and Austria. They came here, one became sterile, one became, say, in their traditional way. And they were, how does this group have the lowest rate of asthma on the planet? And they found out that it was the air that they were breathing in the barns. They had cows as pets. They went on barefoot in the barns. They would breathe all this barn dust and they saw that the barn dust was an irritant to the respiratory skin that triggered an immune response against allergies and asthma, you see. So the same thing happens in your respiratory skin as your intestinal skin. Now, you know, a little is good, too much is bad. You don't want to overwhelm yourself with toxic things, but natural invaders like barn dust that are kind of naturally, not chemical based, but natural, they have a powerful hermetic effect. Lectins, nightshades, these things that we all think are poisonous, they actually are things that trigger what's called gut immunity. So we have to be careful what we do. Now studies show when people eat wheat compared to people who are gluten-free, the people who eat wheat have four times more or less, I'm sorry, less mercury in their blood than people who are gluten-free. In another study, people who eat wheat have significantly more killer T-cells than people who are gluten-free. People who eat wheat have significantly more good bacteria and less bad bacteria than people who are gluten-free. In another study, they found that with a, two Harvard studies, both 30,000, 30 years in the making and over 100,000 per study, found that the people who ate the most gluten had significantly less heart disease, and in the other study, less diabetes than people who were gluten-free or who ate the, less, uh, the least amount of gluten. We see that when people stop taking these hard to digest foods out of their diet, they start having immune compromise. So we have to start to fix the reason why. Now I have an ebook free uh, called the Digestive Troubleshooting Guide, which tells you step-by-step how to digest and troubleshoot your digestive system, find out what part of your digestion is not working quite right. Is it your stomach not making acid, your liver not making bile, pancreatic, duodenal enzymes not kicking in? Is your intestinal skin broken down? How do we use it the lymph on the outside of the gut wall? We go through all of that and help you troubleshoot so you can fix it with food and herbs naturally in a very easy and effective way. Please, please don't ignore your digestive system by just taking the food out of the diet. Yeah, short term, do it because it makes you feel better, but go back and fix the underlying reason, which is so, I think, so critically, critically important. All right, so moving on to our next reason why we have these issues is our circadian biological clocks. Um, There's something that's termed uh, social jet lag. Social jet lag is a jet lag that we know impacts your circadian rhythms, which is your circadian rhythms are the light-dark cycles in nature, and our biological clocks, which are in every cell of our body, are supposed to be in sync with those light-dark cycles, and that's seasonal cycles and light day-night cycles. And they're supposed to all be kind of in sync. Well, we're not in sync anymore. We've we've lost that, because mostly because of electricity and lights. For example, uh, in the winter time, um, depending on where you live, the sun could set at five o'clock, and then you don't go to bed till eleven o'clock. Well, that's six hours of melatonin production that you're supposed to make that you didn't make because you were sitting in front of a TV till 11 o'clock at night. So that's six hours a day for the entire winter, year on end, year on end, year on end. And a similar, less uh, you know, aggressive or problematic you know, number is there in the summertime. But we're still breaking the circadian rules. We know that shift where people working at night and flipping, you know, being more nocturnal, has a lot of really powerful impact on immunity and energy and mood and vitality and chronic health concerns and cardiovascular disease. The list goes on. I've written articles about that. Well, in Europe, they say that a shift worker is considered anyone who who loses or, or is not asleep or is awake from uh, 10 o'clock at night till five in the morning. So if you're up for three hours of any of those times for more than 50 days of the year, according to the European Union, you're a Shift worker, and you're 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 looking at the risks, health risk involved with being a shift worker. So that's for from 10 o'clock till five. If you're up for three hours, any of those three any, any three hours during that period of time for 50 days of the year or more, you're a shift worker. Uh, there's something called social jet lag, which is different than flying in a plane. This is actually just staying up for an extra two hours on the weekend. This is according to Sachin Panda who wrote the book called The Circadian Code. Really amazing researcher, and it turns out that that, that that means just staying up 2 hours later than you normally do on the weekends causes something called social jet lag which makes you a also a shift worker according to Dr. Sachin Panda which is the kind of the the, the, the leading expert in the in the field of circadian medicine today which is pretty amazing so we're sort of all in our own way shift workers whether it be whether you're feeding your baby or waking up to take care of your kids who are sick or or, you know, having to work late to kind of get a job done or, or get up early, you know, then five o'clock, depending on who you are, it happens all the time. So when you miss out on that sleep, say that six hours of sleep, um, because it, you went to bed at 11 and the someone said at five, you're supposed to produce melatonin at that period of time. Well, melatonin is really interesting. It is one of the most powerful antiviral agents. Uh, that's why when they gave you know, President Trump, uh, when he had COVID, they gave him melatonin. Um, it's a powerful antimicrobial agent. We all think of melatonin as the thing that makes you go to sleep if you have jet lag. Well, it's not even a hormone, it's a molecule that gets you to go to sleep so it can then do its job, which is to reboot the immunity, uh, detox, rebuild, rejuvenate, and detoxify you. There was one study on the detoxification ability that happens like the nighttime janitor comes in and does washes and windows and floors at night while you're sleeping. That's melatonin's job. And they actually took some, some uh, that so BPA plastic and they infected a tomato plant with the BPA plastic. And then they actually rubbed melatonin on the plant. And they found that the melatonin literally detoxified the BPA that we see in plastics in our food food containers and things like that just by melatonin. Melatonin is a powerful detoxifier, antimicrobial, rejuvenative, tonic, changes your microbiome. It's a protector. So if you don't have that for that six hours, that six hours a night, you're going to pay an immune price. So the immune system is powerful in Sachin, in, in, in the, the Circadian Code, Sachin Panda's book. And I have a whole ebook on circadian medicine. Uh, I've written articles on circadian rhythms and things like that. From the Ayurvedic perspective, there's just so much to learn about this because Ayurveda was all about living in sync with the seasons. That was what Ayurveda was, right? Being in sync with the natural cycles, and if you're not, you're going to pay a circadian medicine price, which is now Nobel Prize-winning science, right? So, so, um, so, so he did a study where they took, um, they found that when you're in, when you You're a social jet lagger, Uh, as I said, that's just two hours more extra, you know, light activity or being up two hours on the weekends, that's a social jet lagger, or the three hours between 10 and 5 a.m. being up. That can create such an immune response on you that normally the bugs and the microbes that your body would normally fight an immune response against wouldn't, and those bugs that normally your body would take care of would actually cause an infection. So we have direct science showing that when you start living against the grain of mother nature, you're gonna pay an immune price, which is why come winter, which we're in now, right? It's so important for us to realize that the body's trying to detoxify itself in the winter. That extra melatonin is resetting circadian clocks. It's, and that's the thing I should say, the melatonin's main job is to connect the circadian rhythms with your biological clocks and keep them in rhythm and in sync. That's its main job. And by, by, as a result of that, it has a powerful antioxidant and detoxifying ability. I wrote an article recently about how melatonin is a powerful brain antioxidant to protect you from brain-related, age-related uh, brain and cognitive decline, which has been proven. So as we age, we don't produce as much melatonin as we once did. So you can hack the aging process and brain aging by just taking a little bit of melatonin, something I call low-dose melatonin, where you say we one, two, or three drops, which is 0.1, 0.2, or 0.3 milligrams. Very, very tiny dose is all you need to hack the aging process to get you that little bit of melatonin that you, <clears throat> you don't really have. Lots to talk about there. I've written articles about that. I'll, I'll direct you to that, which was really, really important. Um, <clears throat> so the wintertime is also a really great time to do a cleanse. Uh, we, we, I found that, that, surprisingly, that we have a, something called the Short Home Cleanse, which is a four-day Ayurvedic detox with ghee and, and uh, and, uh and kind of a deep intestinal skin repair, um, a flush of your liver gallbladder, and a detoxing agent using the ghee as a chelator through a process called lipophilic-mediated detox, where you're pulling fats out of your body with good fats. That's a well-scientifically documented technique to detoxify. And um, so that's what the short home cleanse is. It's just four days. And we found that with an inordinate, inordinate amount of people would want to take do this cleanse in January after the holidays, after obviously eating all this stuff. But it turns out that it's not only just eating all the junk and trying to reset and maybe lose a few pounds that you gained during the holidays, which obviously makes sense. But from a circadian medicine perspective, it's a really cool thing because the winter is when you have more melatonin your body is engaged in more of the things melatonin does, which is powerful detox and powerful anti, you know, uh, antioxidant scavenging to detoxify the body in a really powerful way. So doing a cleanse during that time would make really sense because you're tapping into what the body's already trying to do. But if you're up late on a screen until late in the night, then you really do need a detox because you're not getting what your body was designed to do because you're losing six hours of melatonin production per night. If that makes any sense. And that is so directly linked to your immune response, the science is just overwhelming of how powerful of an antimicrobial melatonin is. It's the janitor. See, when you go to bed at night, it's colder. That's why you need covers. So you put the blanket on you to keep you warm, but the temperature in the body starts to dip. And when it dips, it changes who's allowed to, what bugs are allowed to sort of take advantage of that temperature change. And some of the bad bugs take advantage of that temperature change at night when your temperature drops, as opposed to, and your melatonin is there as the night watchman to make sure that doesn't happen, right? So that's kind of pretty cool. So look into our short home cleanse. That's a great time. We always put that on sale, usually right after the holidays, because everybody wants to do a four day kind of get out of the holiday reset, which is a great thing to do. Um, The other things about circadian medicine, you know, I've written so many articles, you know, going to bed earlier you know really you know take your phone and make it a 24 7 blue light blocker that's what i have my phone on so put the little bit of the orange filter on there so you don't get so much blue light because that blue light from led lights that blue light from screens from tvs it directly blocks melatonin production and that's the problem uh, a little bit of light through underneath the doorway can actually block or slow your melatonin production so yeah, this much melatonin will get you to sleep. You might say, I sleep great. I don't have any problem. But that, you don't really need this much to get you to sleep through the night. But this much more is what, the, what actually is used to detoxify, rebuild, and repair and boost immunity from the melatonin production. So you may have enough melatonin to get you to sleep. But are you getting enough to give you that real deep, deep rejuvenative immune-boosting sleep that we desperately need? And that's one thing that you can do. Uh, and you can check that there are lots of now devices, the Aura Ring, you know, the iPhones, all well, many different Fitbits and things have many w- ways to measure your deep sleep and see if you actually are dipping into uh, that that really really deep sleep, which is uh, really really important. Obviously, environmental toxins. There's not a lot we can do except we can you know we can avoid them. We can eat organic. They're in the atmosphere. It's in the rain. It's in the water. It's just sort of everywhere. So if you don't have good digestive strength you don't have good detoxification ability and that's the difference right you have to be able to digest well to detoxify well so so strengthening your digestive system is really important and I ayurveda mean you know they developed therapies that detox class, you know the, the ghee and the and you can use a, an alternative to ghee as well olive oil can work coconut oil can work But these ghee or oil-based, we call oleation therapies or detoxes with kitchery to heal the intestinal skin, they've been well studied to to detoxify heavy metals. In one study, 56% of the the PCBs were detoxified after seven days. In another one, 46% of 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 the pesticides were detoxified. So we have good science to show that these Ayurvedic detox techniques will actually pull those environmental pollutants out of your body. But that's just kind of like the, the, the backup plan. The first plan is that you have a digestive system which and an ability to make enough bile to emulsify and break down any fat-soluble toxin, including heavy metals and environmental pollutants, which are all fat-soluble, right? So we have, they all have to work together, which is why we have all these reasons, five reasons why we have immune compromise. You know, environmental toxins that we spray on our food, like the pesticides they kill the microbes, which is so sad, that make the enzymes to help you digest the foods that you're taking out of your diet because you can't digest it anymore. We have to eat organic. We really do have to really pick our battles there and make sure that we get as much pesticide-free. Otherwise, you are going to let You're not going to make the enzymes you need. The food will go undigested. This is how it works. The food, according to the science, will go undigested. Proteins and fats will go undigested into your small intestine. Those molecules will be too big to get into your blood and feed you. They'll go into the garbage can, which is the collecting ducts of your lymph. They give you that big belly or extra weight that you don't want. The lymph's trying to deliver fat as energy to every cell of your body. But if that lymphatic system around your belly is congested, you won't deliver the energy. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to feel fatigued, right? That lymphatic system is trying to take the trash out, but if it's clogged, it won't take the trash out. It'll push the trash into your skin, give you skin irritations, affect your complexion even, give you premature aging and wrinkles, and affect your joints, create toxicity buildup in your joints. And then, of course, we have limbs in the brain that are trying to drain three pounds of plaque out of your head every year while you sleep. And if that's not draining well because your lymph's congested, because your digestion has been compromised, then you're going to start to see all this brain fog and those kinds of things as well. And your master computer is your brain. Your brain is sending messages through to your immune system to tell how to respond or how not to respond. But if the master computer is congested through the lymphatic system called the glymphatic system, that has been linked to anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, inflammation, infection, and autoimmune concerns, which is an overzealous immune reaction. Once again, now we're talking about the digestion, creating lymphatic congestion, creating brain lymphatic congestion, linked to you know an overzealous or underzealous immune response. Right? So this is the Ayurvedic understanding of how to say, well, why don't we just fix the digestive system, eat clean, and then you know, kind of go from there, you know. So the next thing is Um, uh, Breathing, Um, I mentioned up front that uh, researchers found that uh, in a study with elite professional athletes, only half of them had a diaphragm that was working properly, contracting and relaxing fully. They had something called diaphragmatic fatigue. Turns out that, that when we sit a lot, more than we ever did before in an evolutionary sense, the rib cage gets kind of jammed down into the front of our abdomen and pushes the diaphragm into a pre-contracted position. So the diaphragm is supposed to contract to pull the air in and open up your rib cage. But if the diaphragm isn't contracting fully because you're sitting a lot, like on the way to yoga, coming home from yoga, eating your food, watching a movie, watching the news, you know, in front of your computer, we sit, 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 sit. And as a result, the diaphragm slowly but surely doesn't have the ability to contract because it's been pushed down. Now the rib cage is like a balloon; it always wants to squeeze the air out, right? Open, pop a balloon, the air comes out. Well, the same thing happens with our rib cage. The rib cage is always squeezing down, and the only reason it ever opens up is when the diaphragm contracts and pulls the air in like a piston, and it opens up the rib cage. But if the diaphragm starts becoming weaker and weaker because of age related sitting and lack of movement and being sedentary, then the rib cage gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And it literally becomes a cage. And guess what? The number one pump for your entire lymphatic system, to pump the lymph out of your brain. And remember, your lymphatic system is carrying doing three things primarily. One, it's the garbage can. We talked about that. Two, it's trying to deliver fat as fuel to every cell of your body. We talked a little bit about that too. And the third thing it does is carry your immune system. So if the lymphatic system is literally stuck in traffic, well, you know, um, you're not gonna have the greatest immune response. Maybe an overzealous response or an underachieving response, right? So the diaphragm turns out to be, guess what? The number one lymphatic pump in your body. The lymph system doesn't work by the heart pumping like the blood gets pumped by your heart. The lymph is pumped by muscular contractions and one of the major, biggest muscles in your body is your diaphragm, the major pump of your lymphatic system in your body, particularly lymph around your abdomen, all the belly fat, that's basically your um, diaphragm. So if your diaphragm is, and if half the elite athletes in the world don't have a good diaphragm functioning optimally, then probably you and I don't either, which means we need to do diaphragmatic exercise. Well, there's one breathing technique called inspiratory muscle training used in every hospital in the world for uh, heart failure, lung failure, recently approved for COVID, uh, used for lowering blood pressure, used for uh, reversing GERD, heartburn, and reflux. Yep, yep, yep. There is a breathing technique that is used in in, it's in the journals, at least 10 or 15 studies that show that if you do this breathing technique, you reverse your heartburn and your GERD and reflux. It's in the medical journals, but they don't tell you that. When you go to the doctor, because they don't know that, they just tell you, you know, Omeprazole or whatever. <clears throat> Point being is that the breathing is so critically important. Women with breast cancer have been shown to have a significant amount of congestion of the anterior diaphragmatic lymph nodes. So we have to breathe to get this lymphatic system moving. But it's also tied to your digestion, right? So everything connects, which is why I'm talking about all five of these things, because they all matter, and they all connect. You can't just pull one string. You've got to sort of pull five of these strings, at least in this case, to boost your immunity, to get the maximum benefit of your immune system, right? Okay. So the diaphragm is really important. So the breathing technique in Ayurvedic medicine is called pratiloma. And I've written a couple of articles about how to do that. I have long videos on how to do it. One of those articles is called Strengthen Your Lungs Now, pratiloma, which is spelled P-R-A-T-L-I-O-M-A, pratiloma. And the other one is called Breathe Away Your Heartburn, right? Because that's what it does. So it's really important to know how to do that breathing technique. It's super simple. What you do is you would partially close your nostrils, about 80% closed, and that would create resistance. Then you would breathe in maximally as much as you possibly could. It's a maximal inspiratory training technique to maximally breathe in and strengthen that diaphragm so it contracts, 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 pulls all the air down, opens up the rib cage, and then let it go. So it looks something like this, a breathing technique like this. Squeeze and out. And you would feel your belly, then your chest, then your upper chest, just like that. Breathe in, belly, all the way, chest, all the way, upper chest, upper chest. When you feel that diaphragm squeezing and then let it go. It's like you're pumping iron with your your diaphragm. And you probably never even felt your diaphragm contract before until you did this exercise. And you get into a rhythm like a wave where you breathe in and out and really work that abdomen and that diaphragm. And it's just a phenomenal technique. Read the articles. I usually suggest doing 10 to 30 of those in a sitting to start to strengthen your diaphragm. And there's a lot more to talk about that in that perspective. The other piece from the, from the, from the I'm gonna stick to immunity. There's a, I can go on for an hour or two more easily on breathing, but the only, that I'm talking about immunity and the diaphragm is directly linked to your immune response, um, which is so critically important because of the lymphatic connection that it has. And if that lymphatic system is not moving, your immune system, which is carried by your lymph, is not going to be moving as well. The other thing is that when you breathe through your nose, you produce a gas called nitric oxide, which is one of the most powerful anti-gases in the world. So studies show that um, nitric oxide is powerfully antiviral and when we are out and about talking and walking and breathing through our mouth and talking we're exposed to a lot of microbes to our respiratory tract that may not be so wonderful for us right and then you would go to bed at night and traditional cultures would train and i saw this when i was studying ayurveda in india i saw so many studies on infantries and kids who were nose breathers versus mouth breathers and the infantry kids never got sick and the infantries and the kids who are nose breathers never got sick, right? So it turns out that when you when they would teach their kids how to close their mouth and breathe through the nose. And by doing that, you're breathing this nitric oxide gas, which is produced in the perinatal sinuses, all the way down into the lower lobes of your lungs, because the nose has these little turbines that swirl the air and they drive it all the way down to the lower lobes of your lungs, right? Which is sort of pretty cool. So we get all that air all the way down there, so you wanna make sure that you're breathing through your nose at night while you sleep. Not a big deal. You can put a little piece of tape right here, just like that, and close your mouth and see how you do. You can still breathe through your side if so you're not gonna suffocate or anything like that, so you'll be fine. Um, I use a 3M MicroPore tape for sensitive skin, which is blue, I get it right in my grocery store. It's a Blue Tape MicroPore 3M and I put it right here, just like that, Um, and that closes my lips, and then I wake up, and the tape's there, and it works just great to help me maintain nose breathing and get that antiviral gas to rinse through my respiratory tract the way we're designed. So there's two aspects of breathing for why we need to breathe well to support healthy immunity. I've written a ton of articles on breathing and the the, the breath holding and the the building of CO2 tolerance to deal with anxiety and worry, Go to my website, read those articles. I'm going to try to stay focused on this uh, point of, of, of immunity. The last piece is stress. We know that stress can compromise immunity. It's been well studied. And we know that meditation, there's many, many studies show that meditation will increase and strengthen your immunity. So we live in a really busy, 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 busy world. And it's been more stressful maybe than ever before that we can all remember. And one of the things that, that Ayurveda talks about is learning how to Pull back the bow and hold that, that, in the midst of a lot of stress, hold that arrow, bowstring very still. And maintain a level of inner silence. And then take action in your life from that level of inner silence. And meditation is one of those tools to help help you pull back that bow, you know, transcend your thoughts and stop thinking and start feeling in a way. And become, you know, retuned and kind of, kind of reprogrammed to function from that level of calm, that neurological brainwave coherent alpha wave calm that happens when you're in a meditative state. Now, we produce that same meditative state during vigorous exercise just by breathing through your nose. So that's another thing. When you're exercising, you can get that brainwave alpha coherent calm or build, rejuvenate during exercise just by learning to breathe through your nose. And that was my first book, Body, Mind, and sport, which we published studies on that, right? But but maybe more importantly here is the idea of meditation as a sort of a a hack for us to kind of bring the the silence of a forest into our bedroom or living room so we can restore restore that level of composure and calm and peace. Create what I call the eye of the storm. And the bigger the eye, the bigger the calm you can create by your meditation, the more powerful the winds, the more stress you can handle. And the science is in on this from an immune perspective, right? The Studies show that, that certain transcription factors that are linked to uh, pro-inflammatory cytokines are dramatically reduced by meditation. The actual number of your immune cells are increased by meditation. The, the, the aging that happens to our cells um, uh, is in dramatically um, uh, increased um, or decrease by, um, by meditation, through a process called uh, increasing telomerase, which is uh, the telomeres on the ends of your chromosomal caps on your cells. When they get shorter as a result of stress, we age faster. So it turns out meditation lengthens those telomer- telomeres by increasing the enzyme that protects them, which is important. So meditation has been shown to increase our antibody production, so our ability to produce more antibodies. Have been shown. So it's, so it's a powerful, powerful tool to learn how to meditate. Um, meditation takes time and, and it can be something that people just don't have time for. I, I, I like a meditation technique that I'm going to end with um, called the one-minute meditation, uh, which I've written an article about. And you can watch the video on it. I'll just teach it to you real quick, but it's a super easy breathing technique. It's 30 seconds of a breathing technique called Bastrika. Which has been shown to boost immunity, and 30 seconds of just being still in your meditative silent state. So by sort of hyperoxidating yourself, the brain gets this kind of neurological calm that allows you to kind of really sink into that calm. So you do about 30 seconds of that breathing technique, and we can end our talk uh, with this breathing technique. We'll do 30 seconds of pro- uh, 30 breaths of uh, Bastrika, followed by. 30 Seconds of Being Still, um, and then we'll close there. Uh, you can get more information about all the articles that I, that I talked about and, and, and suggested during this podcast at Lifespot.com. But don't forget, you know, don't just kick the can down the road and sweep under the rug your digestive weaknesses. Get your body to reset into the circadian rhythms for sure. Help yourself learn how to breathe properly, how important that is you know, um, you know um, deal with the environmental toxins by looking at, you know, again, one, digestion and two, detoxification techniques like the short home cleanse during this time of the year or our 14-day Colorado cleanse, which is our big digestive research slash detox uh, and lymphatic cleanse, liver cleanse, which is really a our, our, our really powerful cleanse that we generally do in the change of seasons. Uh, and the short home cleanse is something that fits really great, kind of like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Boom! You're done, and you got a great reset going. Lose a few pounds, and you feel feel great. And then, of course, the stress and the meditation um, get that make that a really uh, try to make that a part of your life the very best you can. Okay, so the breathing technique the, called the one minute meditation. And I've got a video on that you can look at it as well. It's really simple. Bastrika is just a bellows breath, breathing in like a bellows, out like a bellows, in like a bellows, out like a bellows, like that. You do that about thirty times. And then you sit still for 30 seconds. So here we go. Sit still, perfectly still, and just feel how still your mind becomes. And then just slowly open your eyes and you're back. And if you look around, you probably see things a little bit differently. Things are more calm, a little bit more still. We're all a little bit more chilled out as a result of that. That's one minute. You can do that 10 times a day. That's 10 minutes here and there in your car before you go into the store or into your home or here or there. You can reset your ability to be calm in just a minute and get the benefits of meditation very, very quickly. Uh, I know that's You know, obviously, long-term meditation, doing 10, 20, 30 minutes would be even better, but this is a great way to just get the job done and make sure you're not building that immune-compromising stress. All right, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John DuYard. Check us out at LifeSpot.com. This recording is brought to you by LifeSpa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at LifeSpa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.